Hello and welcome to my podcast. My name is Alan Manson and I'm here to speak about spirit walking with Jesus and what the Bible says about this and related topics. Today we will look at what the term Jesus used of what being born again actually means. Before we commence, this podcast contains scripture verses that appear in the King James Bible. When I read them out, I occasionally add in words of my own that aim to clarify what the scriptures refer to from the studies I have undertaken. I therefore expect that those listening will look up the scripture verses provided to determine for themselves if what I say is true or not. I welcome any feedback you may have about this or anything else stated in this message. Before we begin, many preachers claim that if an unsaved person accepts Christ as their saviour, this means that they have experienced the new birth or can now consider themselves to be born again. However, the question is, can such a claim be justified in scripture? This podcast will demonstrate that such claims cannot be justified using scripture and therefore such claims are false. If this is true, it means that many Christians have believed a very serious lie and potentially have no salvation waiting for them in the afterlife when they die. I say this because of my own new birth experience that occurred over 30 years ago. What happened back then was that God placed a new heart and a new spirit within me as he stated he would in Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 26. This changed my life forever. It also allowed me to see the dreadful spiritual state of God's kingdom that exists within the churches when compared to what the Bible says. Please allow me to explain this process of being born again as I experienced it and as to how God has since taught me the spiritual principles associated with it that I feel other Christians also need to know. So, firstly, it is worth reading what Jesus said about the new birth and then examining what some of the terms he used are meant to convey as to what Christians should expect to similarly happen to them. Reading from John chapter 3, verses 3 to 8 in the King James Bible, it says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born, meaning born again? Notice here from the other scripture verses that Nicodemus was a high-ranking member of the Sanhedrin. He realized when talking to Jesus that an actual birth was needed for anyone to experience being born again and could only answer Christ by saying, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born a second time? Such a realization by him is in stark contrast to many Christians today who falsely believe that simply accepting Christ as their Saviour represents being born again. Moving on to verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the, into the kingdom of God. Notice here that Jesus plainly says 
that the new birth is an essential requirement for entry into heaven at one's death, where he says, quote, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Similarly, the water referred to here relates to the water of the word, as spoken by the Apostle Paul, where he says, quote, that he, meaning Jesus, might sanctify and cleanse it, meaning his church, with the washing of water by the word, as stated in Ephesians 5 verse 26. This means that unless any church congregation has been purified, washed and cleansed by the pure word preaching from the pulpit, that such a congregation is not saved as this is the only way each congregation member can be sanctified. Now continuing on to verse 6, quote, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, meaning Christians being brought up in a religious environment represents flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit through God's word is spirit. Then Jesus says, Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. Notice here Jesus says that Christians should not marvel. This means to become shocked when realising that such a spiritual requirement is necessary for entry into heaven at one's death. In the following verse, Jesus says that certain signs will become evident in one's life that prove that he or she is a child of God and is indeed born again. So verse 8 says, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. So how many Christians today could provide an answer as to what this means in a practical sense? This is where the difference between the carnal and the spiritual Christians becomes evident. If you are interested to know what this verse means, send me an email. Next, a natural birth is a good basis upon which to appreciate how the new birth occurs in the spiritual sense. In this, there are three stages of prenatal development that must take place for a human baby to be born into this world. These three stages are similarly required to spiritually produce a child of God into this world. The three stages are, first, the germinal, second, the embryonic period, and third, the fetal period. The following biological process of producing a human baby must be understood before the spiritual process can be appreciated. In this, a mother-to-be produces an egg in her fallopian tube each month. When the male sperm fertilises the egg, the germinal stage of development begins to take place. The now fertilised egg travels down the fallopian tube to where it attaches itself to the wall of the mother's uterus. From this, the placenta develops, which allows the fertilised egg to gain nutrition from the mother. This allows the fetus to grow in size and shape throughout the embryonic and fetal stages of development until the day of its birth. Its birthday represents the child's exit from the world of its mother's belly into this world that we live in, which, dis which provides disappointments and hardship. 
In this, God has created this world for every person born into it so that the next stages of each child's physical development of babyhood, childhood, youth and manhood can take place physically. From the spiritual growth perspective, the common features of this prenatal development process of human growth are the seed, the egg, the womb and the birth. So the following points highlight the similarities that exist between a physical birth and a spiritual birth. So with a physical birth, the seed represents the sperm of the male. However, spiritually, the seed represents a, uh, God's word being preached, which lodge in the heart of those who hear them. This claim is stated by Jesus in the parable of the sower and the seed mentioned in Mark chapter 4, verses 10 to 20. Physically, the egg produced by the woman waits to be fertilised by the sperm from the man. Spiritually, the egg represents the human heart located inside our inner man. Each person's heart contains varying types of spiritual soil that either enables or inhibits spiritual growth taking place. Physically, the mother's womb provides all the necessary requirements for the fetus to grow into maturity for the birth. Spiritually, the mother's womb represents the world in which we live. In this world are Bibles, books and information on the internet that can be researched so as to obtain truth about the Bible and the truths it contains. Physically, if the mother falls or has an accident, this can cause a miscarriage where the fetus dies. Spiritually, the spiritual forces that try to abort this process of the child of God maturing spiritually are false religious beliefs. And that was mentioned by Paul in Galatians chapter 3 verse 1. Physically, around the normal period of 40 weeks since conception occurred, the time for the birth arrives. This is the painful time for both the mother and the child while the birthing process takes place. Spiritually, if the unborn child of God overcomes all these barriers throughout their spiritual gestational period on this earth, God then arranges the new birth so as to permit further spiritual growth to take place. Naturally, when the natural child emerges from its mother's belly into this world, he or she needs care and attention for the first few years of life from both parents so that physical growth and knowledge of the things of this world occur to help the child to, to survive to the end of its life. However, spiritually, it is my own experience that when the new birth occurs, this is when God takes away from us our culturally conditioned stony heart and replaces it with a heart of flesh that is now open to hear his voice. All Christians are then required to take up and bear the cross that Christ has waiting for them so as to serve him. For this faithful service, Jesus pledges to provide for such Christians' needs, as stated in Luke 22, verse 35, and to protect them from their enemies, as stated in Luke 10, verse 19. Now, at a point in time during Christian spiritual birthing process, 
God says this, which is an essential, essential rather, transformative aspect of the new birth experience. And in Ezekiel 11 verse 19, God says, And I will give them one heart. I will put a new spirit within you, and I will take the stony heart out of their flesh, and I will give them a heart of flesh. Notice from this verse that God says he will give all truly born-again Christians a heart that seeks to come into unity with other like-minded and like-spirited Christians, just as Jesus prayed. And in John chapter 17, verse 11, Jesus said, And now I am no more in the world, but these, meaning the born-again Christians, are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, Keep thou thine own name, those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one, meaning or in unity with us, as we are, meaning one and in unity. However, on the contrary, I've found religious people prefer to create divisions between themselves in their own religious community and also with other Christians, especially with the truly born-again Christians. Also, God says that Quote, he will put a new spirit within you. This means that if your former spirit was dead to him or even alive to Satan through a false Christian religion, witchcraft or other occult practices, the new birth is something that is available to anyone on earth who sincerely seeks after God, as stated in Isaiah 55 verses 6 and 7, which says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he, God, meaning God, will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. The point here is that if every man or woman who is genuinely seeking the God of creation and, and his son Jesus Christ, the promises of Isaiah 55 here will be fulfilled at the new birth if a spiritual abortion does not occur along the way. More on that shortly. So more about the new birth. I just want to say no one has any choice as to who their parents are, what their country of birth will be or their gender prior to their birth. These choices were all made by our Creator, God the Father. The Bible indicates He knew each of us prior to our natural birth. This is because He says He knew the prophet Jeremiah before he was born into this world, as stated in the following verses of Scripture. So in Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 to 5, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Verse 5, Before I, meaning God, formed thee in the belly of thy mother, I knew thee. The above verses clearly state that as God knew Jeremiah before his birth, it is reasonable to assume that he knows each of us before our parents conceived us and brought us into the world. As I understand it, when the heart of a fetus commences to beat, it is at this point when God places our spirit into our fetus, and, and it is at this point in our physical development that we become a living soul, as stated in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. 
The Bible says that God treats all people from any race, all culture, all religions equally, as stated in Acts 10 verse 34, providing that they reject all that is wrong within these religions and start their new life with God afresh, meaning walking in truth, as the Apostle John said to the elect lady in 2 John chapter 1 verse 4. He said, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth, as we have received a commandment from the Father. If people seeking God understand and do this, there is therefore no discrimination between any type of person on earth with God. And in Acts 10 verse 34, it says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. So before we explore more about the new birth, we need to look at some of the issues that closely associate with this phenomenon. The first one are the principles of spirit-to-spirit communication. It's my belief from studying the scriptures that when Adam and Eve communicated with God as stated in Genesis chapter 3 verse 8, they probably communicated with each other spirit to spirit. <clears throat> this is because scripture says the human tongue is set on the fires of hell as stated in James chapter 3 verse 6. Such unholy communication using the tongue in an audible language with a holy God could not have happened, at least not back then. The Bible indicates that after Adam and Eve were removed from the Garden of Eden, they became spiritually dead. This would have meant they could no longer speak between themselves, nor with their Creator. Therefore, after using hand signs and noises with their mouths, one imagines that some form of spoken language began to evolve between them. The point here is that after being expelled from God's Garden, Adam and Eve became spiritually dead to God prior to conceiving their two sons, Cain and Abel. As the Bible says that Eve is the mother of all living humans on earth, as stated in Genesis chapter 3, verse 20, this means that everyone born on the earth is a descendant of Adam and Eve and are born into this world spiritually dead unto God. It is through the process of the new birth that God requires his children, meaning the descendants of Adam and Eve, to come back to him while alive on earth and to serve him, just as Jesus, who is also a descendant of Adam and Eve, served him during his lifetime on the earth. And in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 45 it says, And so it is written, The first man Adam was made a living soul, the last Adam, meaning Jesus Christ, was made a quickening or living spirit. Now, the next part is the law and spiritual instruction. To eradicate rebellion in the home, God requires all natural fathers to teach their children to become good citizens, as stated in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24. Sometimes this requires the use of discipline when necessary, as stated in Proverbs 13 also. However, when a Christian has a born-again experience, it is the study of the scriptures that instructs God's born-again spiritual children on earth 
how to prepare for their next life with Jesus. And quoting from Galatians 3 verses 24 to 25, Wherefore the law, meaning the Ten Commandments, was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. So the foregoing verses indicate that faith comes after the lessons of the law have been learned. This means that sin in any form must be eradicated in every born-again Christian's life. If sin still remains, this indicates such a Christian is not born again and therefore has no salvation. Now the next topic is the tongue, which is an enemy of God. Once Adam and Eve could no longer communicate with God, I believe they became spiritually dead towards him because he denied them the right to eat of the tree of life, as stated in Genesis chapter 2 verse 17 and Genesis 3 verse 3. The Bible says this about the human tongue that uses human developed language to communicate with other people. And from James chapter 3 verses 5 to 10, even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts and of birds and serpents and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after similitude, meaning or the image, of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. So the new birth has been designed by God to break the curse that Adam and Eve established between him and us. The effect of this curse can be seen as rebellion that children often display against their parents, which is replicated in Christians who rebel against what God's words plainly say in the Bible. The new birth also aims to restore that intimate spirit-to-spirit -spirit level of communication between God and his children who are serving him while on the earth. The scripture verse that confirms this claim is where Jesus says, quote, from Matthew 7, verses 22 to 24, Many, meaning Christians, will say to me, that's Jesus, in that day following the rapture, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many mighty or wonderful works? And then will I, meaning Jesus, profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity or rebellion. So here the word iniquity means rebellion against God and Christ. Any Christians associated with a false religion represents rebellion against Christ. This is because all religions have been created by Satan and his people in the pulpits. The next topic is titled God's Process of Spiritual Restoration. 
Naturally, the preaching of the true gospel of Jesus Christ reveals to those who hear it the path of spiritual restoration that God's people must travel on if they are sincere in their desire to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. Another vital ingredient in achieving this goal is of having a love of the truth, no matter what it might reveal. However, the Bible reveals that in these last days, and I'm quoting from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10, that says, They, meaning today's Christians, received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them, meaning the stubborn religious Christians, a strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned in hell who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So to avoid this happening, the following steps should be considered. Step 1. Seek God. All unsaved people need to cry out to God for them to be considered one of his children on the earth, as stated in Isaiah 55 verse 6. Such people then need to start reading the Bible to determine what forms of human behaviour are classed in it as being sinful and therefore offensive to God. Such behaviour in one's life must stop, otherwise God will not accommodate any sinful behaviour in his people or in heaven as stated by this man healed by Jesus Christ. So in John 9, chapter 9, verse 31, uh, this man says, Now we know that God heareth not sinners. But if a man be a worshipper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. So Christians cannot advance in their spiritual relationship with God if any sinful behaviour is evident. This is because sinful behaviour from God's people brings the name of Christ into disrepute among the unsaved people who represent those in the world outside of the church. So the second step here is to obtain a King James Bible. Demonstrate to God that you are desperate to find him. Start reading from the book of John and continue reading up until the book of Revelation. Then read all of the Old Testament books and finish off with the three Gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke, and then read the book of Revelation. In the meantime, commence looking in the various churches for truly born-again Christians who are walking in the Spirit and are not full of their religious beliefs, meaning... They quote the words of men and women in their religion to bring people into bondage rather than quote the words of God that ultimately bring eternal life. And the third step is to ask God to test you. This is a very difficult thing to do. This is because all hell is likely to break forth in your life as stated in the following verse of scripture. I'm reading from Peter chapter 4. Sorry, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed at the rapture, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy when you too rise into the air to meet him. Asking to be tested is what I asked God for early on in my walk with Jesus. In this, he removed many things from my life that would have prevented me from drawing closer to him. These things can't be seen at the beginning. 
one must ask in faith and patiently endure to the end of the trial to appreciate what God, that God was with you as you endured these afflictions in your life. And as an example, in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 15, it says, And so after he, meaning Abraham, had patiently endured to the end of his trials, he obtained the promise. Uh, step four is study to become approved by God. Nobody can get into heaven unless they are approved by God. It's no different here on the earth. You cannot be approved to, say, be an accountant unless you ha are qualified and certified to act as one. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 says, Study, meaning the Bible, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. From being able to rightly dividing the word of truth is only possible for those Christians who are able to preach sound doctrine as stated in 1 Timothy 1.10, 2 Timothy 4.3, Titus 1.9 and Titus 2.1. These would have proven that they are overcomers of Satan's lies and deceptions and because of this will be allowed into heaven. And quoting from Revelation chapter 2 verse 7, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh, meaning Satan's lies and deceptions, just as I, Jesus, overcame him while on the earth, Will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God? As you can see here, this promise from Christ relates directly with the reversal of what happened in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve because of Satan's lies and deceptions. In other words, where Adam and Eve spoke directly with God before their fall, the new birth re-establishes that communication link with both God and Christ. So do you want proof? A uh, quote from John chapter 6, verse 45. It says, It is written in the prophets, And they, meaning all truly born-again Christians, shall be all taught personally of God the Father. Every man and woman, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father, cometh unto me, Jesus, and I say, in the rapture. So, my fifth point here is what represents a spiritual abortion. As with a natural birth, Satan often puts a thought into the heart of the mother or the father to procure an abortion if the child in her womb is unwanted. In the case of a child of God being in the prenatal development stages, it is Satan who puts such murderous thoughts into the Christian's mind that continuing to press into God's kingdom through studying the scriptures is pointless. He says that it would be better to go back to the security of brethren in the local church than to be alone with Christ and God and other such thoughts that aim to separate the child of God during times of fiery trials. In other words, it is Satan's desire to see every Christian abandon their efforts to reach out to God. If they decide to succumb to his lies, this effectively means they either become religious again or they walk away from the churches and Christianity itself and back into their sinful ways. 
Turning away from Christ and back to a sinful lifestyle is symbolised in the following verses of Scripture that describe such people. And I'm quoting from 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 22. But as, uh, sorry, but it is happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. So what does the new birth actually represent? So when Jesus was asked a similar question, he said, Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few Christians that be saved? And he said unto them, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many Christians, meaning after the rapture, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. That's in Luke chapter 13, verses 23 and 24. Therefore, throughout one's entire life as a Christian, one must continue to read, study and learn what they say. This is what Jesus said regarding striving to enter in at the straight gate. If Christians prior to their new birth have separated themselves from their former sinful ways and have embraced God's word wholeheartedly and rejected the false teachings in the churches today, God will honour his word to save them. He will then arrange the new birth when the, where the Christian will receive the new heart and the new spirit. Once this has occurred, the Christian will then become a new person with new values and a new love for the unsaved, especially those who are not born again in the churches. Such people will want to find and associate with other born-again Christians so as to fulfil the commandment of Christ to become an individual member of his spiritual body here on earth, as stated in the verses below. Quoting from Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Each bodily member is required to have one or more spiritual gifts operating in their lives, as stated in the verses below, quoting from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 to 11. For to one, meaning an individual Christian, is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. These spiritual gifts are provided by God to his children here on the earth so that he or she can perform the functions of that member of Christ's body, such as, and I'm quoting here from 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 18. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptised into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. And if the foot shall say, Because I am not of the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? 
And if the ear shall say, Because I am not of the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling, meaning the nose? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased him. So if you are not a member of Christ's spiritual body on earth and serving him in this manner with the gifts operating, then it's likely Satan has deceived you into believing that God didn't really mean what he, what I just read from the Bible. So just closing now, I'd like to thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope that you have learned something new about what the new birth represents from what the Bible reveals to us about it. If you have any comments or questions, please go to my website at mygospel.info where you will find a contact page to email me. My next episode will address the only gospel that is able to save a soul from spending eternity in hell. In the Bible it is termed my gospel, which represents the Apostle Paul's gospel that contains a mystery and which must be obeyed. If the gospel you believe does not require you to keep obeying it or it does not contain the mystery that Paul spoke about, I suggest you tune in next week to hear what I have to say. If you have any questions regarding anything stated in this podcast, please add a comment below or write to me at mygospel.info. Please follow me in these podcasts. And also, please share this podcast to your Christian friends and family. May God bless you for listening today.